Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to a special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, and we begin today with breaking news in the politics lead. Moments ago, House Democratic leaders fired back at Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. They accused Pompeo of potential obstruction after Pompeo claimed Democrats were intimidating and bullying State Department officials who the Democrats plan to depose. Pompeo tweeted, quote, Let me be clear, I will not tolerate such tactics, and I will use all means at my disposal to prevent and expose any attempts to intimidate the dedicated professionals whom I am proud to lead and serve alongside at the Department of State, unquote. Pompeo has, as of now, had no comment about the revelation that he was, in fact, listening in on that July 25th phone call in which President Trump asked the president of Ukraine to investigate his political rival, Joe Biden, and Biden's son, Hunter. This is a fast-moving story, and we have it covered from the White House to Congress and all the way to Ukraine. Uh, Let's start on Capitol Hill, though, with Manu Raju. And Manu, what did the House Democratic chairman have to say to the Secretary of State? Well, they pushed back rather aggressively, Jake. They are saying that any efforts to deny these witnesses from coming forward, these are current and former State Department officials who the Democrats wanted to have deposed beginning tomorrow. They said any efforts to block that from happening would constitute obstruction of their impeachment investigation. They just said, uh, the three chairmen said this in a uh, statement that was sent just moments ago. Any effort to intimidate witnesses or prevent them from talking with Congress, including State Department employees, is illegal and will constitute evidence of obstruction of the impeachment inquiry. In response, Congress may infer from this obstruction that any withheld documents and testimony would reveal information that corroborates the whistleblower complaint. Now, reading between the lines and what they're saying here, Jake, is that they're not, they don't have the patience for a sustained fight with the Trump administration. We have seen year, for this entire year, Democrats and the Trump administration fight subpoenas being issued the Trump administration not complying with that, saying they're out of bounds, some ending up in court. This is likely where it's not going to head. Democrats don't want to go that route. Instead, they are suggesting that any efforts by Pompeo and others in the Trump administration to not give them what they want, not turn over documents, not provide testimony as required by the subpoenas, essentially could be amount to an impeachable offense, obstruction of Congress being that impeachable offense, as the Democrats are saying. So we'll see what ultimately ends up happening. But a witness who's scheduled to come tomorrow. It's unclear if that person will be deposed tomorrow, but Democrats at the moment say that this could all lead to a rather quick impeachment this fall, Jake. A House Democrat reminded me uh, last week that uh, obstruction of Congress was one of the articles of impeachment against President Nixon. Uh, Manu, where do things stand right now on that possible interview with the whistleblower uh, by the House Intelligence Committee? 
Talks are still ongoing about bringing this individual forward. The House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff is confident that this the whistleblower will come forward. He, but he just arrived here on Capitol Hill. I tried to talk to him about this and other matters. He declined to comment. Also, the Senate Intelligence Committee wants to bring that whistleblower forward, but there are concerns that the president's attacks against this whistleblower could essentially prevent him or her from coming forward. And in fact, today, Jake, a top Republican, Chuck Grassley, who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee, someone who's advocated for whistleblower protections, sharply criticized any attacks going against the whistleblower, saying those should be left off the table and are not helpful for this country. Jake. That's right. He's a Grassley, an ardent supporter of uh, uh, whistleblowers. Thank you so much. Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. Let's go now. Uh, down the street to the White House, where we find CNN's Abby Phillip. And Abby, uh, we have not seen President Trump in public today. He has made his presence felt on Twitter, though. Loud and clear, uh, Jake. He's been tweeting up a storm and really attacking this whistleblower this morning, even sending a tweet that is misleading at best. Here's what it said. He said, so if so, if the so-called whistleblower has all secondhand information and almost everything he has said about my perfect call with the Ukrainian president is wrong, why aren't we entitled to interview and learn everything about the whistleblower and also the person who gave him false information? But the problem is that yesterday... Uh, there was an extraordinary letter coming from the inspector general uh, of the intelligence community, Michael Atkinson, who the president appointed that pushed back on that very narrative. Uh, here's what the inspector general wrote. The whistleblower stated on the form that he or she possessed both firsthand and other information. The ICIG reviewed the information provided, as well as other information gathered and determined that the complaint was both urgent and that it appeared credible. So a strong pushback there on this idea that the whistleblower is simply trafficking in hearsay. Not only uh, is the inspector general saying that firsthand information isn't necessary, but he's also saying uh, that the whistleblower did provide some firsthand information and the secondhand information was corroborated by an investigation. Yeah, and in fact, it was corroborated by the release of the transcript and corroborated by the White House admitting that they took the, uh, the transcript and put it in the super secure server as well. Abby, what are your sources telling you about how President Trump plans to mount any sort of defense uh, during this impeachment inquiry. Well, Jake, so far, there has not been much in the way of an organized, coordinated defense. The president has been taking matters into his own hands on social media. And last week, he started a process of talking uh, his aides, his aides in the White House and his lawyers, both inside and outside of the White House, got together to try to come up with some kind of strategy. And they're expected to present him with a plan this week. But there is a sense of anxiety among the president's aides that they are not fully prepared for this. Uh, the the idea this week is to come up with some kind of plan, both a communications plan and a legal plan to help them cope with this fast moving impeachment inquiry. Uh, meanwhile, President Trump's aides and advisors and allies have been fanning out on television, trying to defend him, attacking the whistleblower, uh, all of them trying to mount a defense as this uh, investigation seems to be moving very, very quickly underneath their feet, Jake. All right, Abby, uh, Philip at the White House, thank you so much. Let's go now to Kiev, Ukraine, where we find CNN chief international correspondent Clarissa Ward. Uh, and, and Clarissa, the, the president of Ukraine addressed this controversy today. In fact, you asked him about the military aid and any pressure he may have felt uh, from President Trump. 
That's right, Jake. Well, he didn't want to answer these questions. He started out the press conference by saying he was only going to talk about the situation here in eastern Ukraine. But we pressed him on the issue. And believe me, his answer was evasive, relying on semantics to really try to avoid being pinned down. Take a listen. Did you feel pressure from President Trump to investigate the Bidens in order to unfreeze military I understood. I'd like to tell you that I never feel pressure. I have lots of people who'd like to put pressure on me here and abroad, but I'm the president of an independent Ukraine, and I'd like to think, and my actions suggest, no one can put pressure on me. Now you hear there, he says, no one can pressure me, Jake. That's different from saying no one did pressure me. But the message we were getting from the president was, listen, I cannot seem to be taking sides in America's domestic political turmoil. Ukraine relies heavily on USAID. And no matter who is the president, Democrat or Republican, it's crucial for Ukraine to have a good relationship. So this president is really hoping that all of this is going to blow over, Jake. And Clarissa, uh, uh, President Zelensky also also spoke about Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, that's right, Jake. He was asked whether he had ever met with Rudy Giuliani, although we should say there's nothing to indicate and there's been no suggestion that he has. And he was very unequivocal in his answer. Take a listen. I've never met Rudy Giuliani. Never. And never had any phone calls with him. Important for our viewers to remember, though, Jake, in that transcript or summary of the conversation, the now infamous conversation between Zelensky and Trump, it is Zelensky himself who brings up Giuliani. He says, one of my assistants has spoken to Giuliani. We look forward to inviting him to Ukraine. So certainly it was a fair question to ask, Jake. That's right. I mean, Rudy Giuliani reached out to one of his aides, to one of Zelensky's aides, Clarissa War in uh, Kiev, Ukraine. Thank you so much for that reporting. Coming up, they're the men whose names came up on the phone call with the Ukrainian president, and their names also appeared in the whistleblower complaint. We're going to take a deeper look at the roles played by all of the president's men. Coming up, you're watching a special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. Stay with us. We're back with the breaking news. Top House Democrats pushing back this afternoon against Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, suggesting that Pompeo is intimidating witnesses in order to protect himself and President Trump. Let's chew over all this with our experts. Uh, Neil, let let me start with you. Um, Pompeo was accusing Democrats of intimidating and bullying his own employees. (laughs) Now Democrats are saying that Pompeo is doing it. You know, the message that's coming out of this White House is this was a perfect call, that everything uh, was above board here. And then you have Pompeo. It's revealed that he was on the call. And so the idea that he is now saying it's really the Democrats who are bullying these folks who may very well want to add information uh, to the public's knowledge of this call and what was going on uh, with Ukraine. So it does seem like he is signaling to the folks who might want to come forward that it's an uncomfortable thing for them to come forward. So, you know, this idea that they're kind of being bullied by Pompeo, it does seem to be that that's what he's trying to do, essentially chill their testimony uh, before coming forward. But I mean, the irony here, when the president wants to meet the whistleblower face to face so he can bully him, and he says that that this, that, that uh, Adam Schiff is treasonous, which, by the way, is potentially something you can be executed for. And then the secretary of state says, 
while you're, it's like he joined a frat and said, wow, there's hazing here. Well, but, they know, both need to settle but down. They're both right out of the president's playbook, mm-hmm. which we've seen, which is you undermine the institution investigating you, claim you're the victim and then just question their legitimacy. Pompeo's doing it now. He's not using the language that the president uses, uh, not using terms like treason and so on. But it's the same thing. You just say they're not legitimate and not able to investigate it's you. Also- and that's. I mean, it's just so striking, the difference between what we heard from Mike Pompeo and what we heard from Mark Esper at the end of last week, where he said, you know, of course, we'll give you whatever you want. Whatever Congress wants to investigate this, we're happy to turn it all over. And then you get someone like Pompeo, who's obviously very close to the president, who was on this call, and he sounds exactly like the president. And I do think, you know, and I know the tone the president has taken, but if you're one of these career officials and you have been working on this issue, I think it matters if you hear Mike Pompeo saying what he said versus if you hear Mark Esper saying what he said. I think that definitely sends a different... Oh, ab- absolutely. But I mean, I feel like I'm at a heavy metal concert and I need <laughs> earplugs. I mean, what Mike Pompeo can write back is typically in these circumstances, a witness needs time. It can be a glaze-over two-page letter. He goes out and Twitter Trump-style. This is playing to the boss. Yeah, yeah speaking <laughs> of playing to the boss, I want to I get your response, Nina, to President Trump's trade advisor, Peter Navarro, earlier today uh, on Fox Business. Uh, here's how he described the impeachment inquiry. This is nothing less than an attempted coup d'etat. And it reminds me, there was a, the first guy who, who was the head of the Soviet Union uh, secrets uh, CIA equivalent, uh, Beria. He said, you know, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. Every day the president's got to get up yeah. and he's got to deal with China. He's got to deal with Russia. He's got to right. deal with Iran, North yeah, Korea. No, I understand. And now the House of Representatives. And I don't know which one's more dangerous. I don't know which one's more dangerous. House Democrats, China, right. Iran. I mean, that's that's honest that we're yeah, this are your is tax what, dollars at yeah, work. This is what he's saying. You know, and this is, I, I think, a reflection of what they've been hearing kind of in the conservative chattering class. Uh, some of the talk show hosts, uh, folks like Rush Limbaugh. Uh, it's also, I think, their attempt to basically make this one long narrative, right? From the campaign to the Mueller probe to post-Mueller probe to, to, to kind of uh, not make the Ukrainian issue a separate issue because that's what Democrats want to do. They want to focus on that phone call, what the president was doing. Uh, and so you have all the president's uh, men out there essentially saying this is a Democratic plot. This is what they've always wanted to do. They think this president is illegitimate. uh, And this is just part of that long plan that the Democrats have had. And Sarah, you've covered this White House. Is there a strategy here other than whoever, you know, gathering together all the loyalists and having them go out there and just throw whatever mud they can uh, against the wall? I think the strategy is fight and deflect. You know, if you were, I think, an organized, smart, intentional White House, you might have people going through the transcripts of other calls and saying, "Okay, what else do we have here that's potentially problematic? What do we need to get organized or get in front of? Instead, I think we're going to see a lot of officials going out and saying this is an extension of the witch hunt, pointing their finger at Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, saying the scandal is really over here and kind of seeing more of the same. And, you know, Rudy Giuliani's fate to be determined. Maybe we'll see more of him, too. And Elliot, you heard Phil talk about some of the things the president has done to uh, condemning the whistleblower, suggesting that he's going to find out who it is, uh, joking about or making comments about uh, executions when it comes to people who provided information. Does any of that break the law? There is a whistleblower protection act that is the law of this country. Has the president 
cross that line? This is exactly why we have a spe- specific whistleblower protection statutes. Now, it has to cross into the level of an actual threat. I mean, you know, you don't really want to get into hurting people's free speech rights, as silly as that sounds. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it crosses into, I'm going to kill this person or going to put a hit on this person, that absolutely uh, it violates the law. The better question is, you know, the president is just exercising... Profoundly unsound judgment as the president of the United States, and that's what we need to worry about. So he has not yet violated the law. The, the law. Good, good, good point. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Attorney General Bill Barr, the president's attorney Rudy Giuliani, Vice President Mike Pence. We're going to try to connect the dots between all the president's men who have been caught up in the impeachment inquiry. Stay with us. All the president's men now being caught up in the Ukraine scandal and impeachment investigations. That includes the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, the nation's top law enforcement official, Attorney General Bill Barr, Vice President Mike Pence, and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who is trading accusations today with House Democrats. I want to bring in CNN's Tom Foreman to help us connect these dots. Tom, starting with Secretary of State Pompeo, why is he attacking Democrats today? Well, clearly, Jake, he's upset that he has now been caught up in this web of scandal around that phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky, in which President Trump asked a foreign government to help investigate his political rival Joe Biden and Biden's son. Pompeo, as you know, has acted for days like he really didn't know anything about this except what he was hearing. But now we know he was one of a dozen people who were on that call, that he didn't want the transcript released And we also know that White House attorneys for a period of time had this locked up in a classified computer file, normally reserved for state secrets. But as you noted, he's not the only one. You look at William Barr over at the Justice Department. He's roped in because President Trump told the Ukrainians they should work with him on this investigation of the Bidens, even though there was zero evidence the Bidens did anything wrong. We also know the president has asked other countries, including Australia, to work with Barr on his investigation into the origins of the Russia investigation, which so bedeviled the White House. Giuliani, the private attorney for the president, he's caught up in it. Same reason, because the president told the Ukrainians, work with him. And we now know that there are Ukrainians who told CNN, yeah, he specifically was looking for dirt on Joe Biden. He's been subpoenaed along with some of his records. And then there is the vice president, Mike Pence, who told the Ukrainians, I want you to get after corruption. But we now know that the president equates that with going after Joe Biden. Pence insists the president did nothing wrong here, even though all of this was happening while millions of dollars in U.S. military aid to Ukraine was being suspended by the White House. So, Jake, all you have to do is look at all these men connected to the president who are now also firmly attached to this questionable phone call to a foreign power to get involved in U.S. politics. Of course, the Republican echo chamber says none of these people did anything wrong. But if that is the case, then why did all of them seem to want to keep this secret? Jake. All right, Tom Foreman, thanks so much. Joining me now, someone who knows a lot about all the president's men, investigative journalist Carl Bernstein, also joining us, presidential historian Douglas Brinkley. Uh, Thanks so much to both of you for being here. Carl, let me start with you. Take a listen to Pompeo two Sundays ago with Martha Raddatz before we knew that he was on that call between President Trump and the Ukrainian president. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that President Trump pressed the president of Ukraine eight times to work with Rudy Giuliani to investigate Joe Biden's son. What do you know about those conversations? So you just gave me a report about a high-seek whistleblower campaign, none of which I've seen. 
Carl, if there was nothing wrong with the call, as President Trump claims, that's not exactly the most honest answer to that question. I don't think Mr. Pompeo has been very honest uh, throughout this episode. And one of the real similarities to Watergate, there there are real differences. And I think that Trump's conduct uh, as president is far worse than Nixon was in in terms of his corruption, uh, in terms of his contempt for uh, the established practices of the presidency and the rule of law in this country. Uh, But what we see in both instances are the roles of attorneys general to facilitate the corruption and to facilitate the cover-up. In uh, the case of Watergate, Mr. Nixon had two attorney generals uh, who who facilitated this, one of whom went to jail. Uh, And here we have Mr. Barr, the attorney general, at the center of all of this. And what Mr. Barr has been doing, and and, uh, the first day after the whistleblower's complaint was revealed, I said, uh, on this air, just about this hour, this is about... William Barr's attempt to produce evidence that a deep state conspiracy began and was responsible for the Russia investigation. And of course, that's where we're going here. Rather than focusing on what indeed the president of the United States has done, we're trying to invent a conspiracy Mm -hmm. uh, that somehow was about uh, Joe Biden uh, and his his actions. Mm -hmm. And Doug, Rudy Giuliani acting as the president's personal lawyer. Um, There are people in the White House, in the administration, who think he's doing more harm than good. What do you think? Well, there's no question he is. He seems to be just unspooled, uh, uh, rambling around, um, traveling around the Ukraine, fumbling and bumbling through everything that he does and says. Uh, You know, people are wondering about um, whether Giuliani is... uh, Copus menace? Does he have his uh, wits about him? Or is he kind of, um, you know, just trying, his his egotism is so overweening that he's uh, just wanting TV time and doing anything that Donald Trump says for him. I'll be interested to see if the American Bar Association starts questioning what Giuliani's doing, which is charging people, Americans like the Bidens, using Ukraine in this sort of weird way. Uh, I've never seen a lawyer behave in this fashion at the behest of a U.S. president. Carl, let's talk about the abuse of power allegations against President Trump and against President Nixon. Just on the issue of abuse of power on this issue having to do with Ukraine, uh, how do the two, how does President Trump stand up when it comes to President Nixon? Well, both presidents wanted to undermine the very basis of American democracy, which are free elections. In Nixon's case, it was a campaign of political espionage and sabotage intended to get the Democrats to nominate George McGovern, his weakest possible opponent, as opposed to his strongest opponent, who would have been Senator Edward Muskie of Maine, who was crippled by this political espionage and sabotage, just as And what Nixon did not do was involve a foreign power in the attempt to undermine American democracy and free elections, whereas Trump uh, has involved several foreign powers to try and come up with dirt uh, on the strongest or the person he perceives Trump as strongest Mm -hmm. as an opponent to him, Biden. uh, And through this patently unlawful, unconstitutional, corrupt behavior. And if Republicans, and here's the big difference between Watergate and what we're seeing now, Mm -hmm. if Republicans are willing to go along with this, it is going to change our history because Republicans became the heroes in Watergate who finally said we cannot tolerate 
uh, a corrupt president who undermines our electoral system. And this is far worse than just undermining the electoral system, given the rhetoric and what we've seen of the president's unraveling uh, in the last week or two. Doug, and what do you think about that in terms of how much Republicans on Capitol Hill are willing to tolerate? We've seen some of the president's most loyal defenders, the Lindsey Grahams, the Jim Jordans, out there supporting him. Uh, but really, a lot of them have just been holding their tongues. I don't know where we are vis-a-vis this scandal versus Watergate, but is there, do, do you see any difference between how the Republicans yeah, are acting? I- I do. And during Watergate, eventually you got Republicans, whether it was Barry Goldwater or Howard Baker and others, standing up to the power of Nixon, saying that he lied. And we also, in Nixon years, had a State Department with William P. Rogers and Henry Kissinger. For whatever problems they might have, they wouldn't have damaged the State Department as an institution to become a henchman for the president. I'm afraid that's what Mike Pompeo did by going to the press and lying that he wasn't on that phone call with the Ukrainian president, he's no longer credible in the in the public arena as Secretary of State. Oh, yeah, the, 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 a phrase from that era, credibility gap, is coming into play here as well. Yeah. Douglas Brinkley and, and Carl Bernstein, thank you so much for your time and expertise. Appreciate it. Thank you. For Attorney General Barr, the development that might mean he will need to recuse himself. Our legal experts weigh in next. Stay with us. Today, all the president's men finding themselves entangled in the Democrats' impeachment probe. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who we now know, according to a source, was on the president's July phone call. Attorney General Bill Barr mentioned numerous times by President Trump in that phone call with the president of Ukraine. The president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, was also mentioned and has been subpoenaed for documents related to Ukraine. And Vice President Pence, who was in Ukraine recently before the scandal broke and while there brought up both the aid the Ukrainian president so desires... And President Trump's, quote, great concerns about issues of corruption, unquote, according to Pence. Let's chew over all this. Phil, when Pence says he didn't mention Biden's name in that meeting with the president of Ukraine, but he brought up the president's concern about corruption, translate that for us. What that means is, look, this is going to be a long investigation. It's perfectly appropriate for American diplomatic official to start obscuring this. That is, it's not simply about one phone call. It's about a long relationship with the Ukrainians. Anybody in America would say it's appropriate to press the Ukrainians on corruption. All we did was do anything any other president would do. Let me cut to the bottom line. This is about saying it's not about one phone call and about holding up money. It's about making this 17 angry Democrats are investigating for months and months and months mm-hmm. a, a, uh, an allegation that won't prove out to be true. They want to make this as obscure as possible. That's what he's doing. But when Vice President Pence brings up issues of corruption to Zelensky, might Zelensky not think that he's talking about Biden? Yeah, I I don't think the Ukrainians, I mean, I think they were panicked for a portion of this. I don't think they were confused about what the administration was asking for. I mean, I think if you go through and see the transcript of President Trump's call, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about javelin missiles and then we're talking about, oh, hey, can I ask you to do me this favor and run a few of these investigations of of things we want you to look into? So it is not, you know, a quid pro quo written out word for word in a way that I'm sure Democrats would appreciate. But I don't think Ukrainians were confused about what exactly was going on here, what the Trump administration was suggesting. Uh, And Elliot, let me ask you about Attorney General Barr, because he's mentioned in the very first paragraph of the whistleblower complaint, the president in the transcript cites him as a go-to guy on issues having to deal with investigating the Bidens. 
Barr's office was told that there was a whistleblower complaint about the call and that Barr was mentioned. That's a week before the actual complaint was given to the Justice Department. Is there not some ground here for recusal? I mean, he's all over this. Some ground? Look, at this point, the attorney general is like the Forrest Gump of the president's wrongdoing. Every single place you have a question of the president meddling in the Justice Department or or, a question about impartiality, the attorney general seems to be there. There's absolutely a question of, of recusal, and here's why. The rules just say if there's an appearance of a conflict, not even a a real conflict, and it's clear that there's at least an appearance when the guy is the guy named on the call uh, by the president of the United States when speaking to a foreign leader. So absolutely, he ought to recuse and he'd be doing uh, he'd be acting perfectly within the Justice Department guidelines if he did. And then now we're also told uh, that the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, he's considering how to respond to the Democrats subpoena for documents. Um, and, all, you know, do you think Giuliani might actually not cooperate with this? Might The way Pompeo is saying he won't cooperate? Yeah, I mean, it's unclear. I mean, you listen to Rudy Giuliani on different days and you'll get a different answer. He was saying, I guess it was last night, that, uh, you know, if he can bring his charts and graphs and audio recordings and do his whole Rudy Giuliani show uh, in front of, you know, a Congress, then, then maybe. But, but we'll, we'll just have to see. Obviously, uh, they're asking for documents. He might claim privilege, even though sometimes he said, you know, he wasn't doing this as the president's lawyer. He was doing this as the president's friend. So we, we don't know. I, I mean, he's obviously a key person in this. Uh, he's obviously very willing to go on camera and talk about it. But whether or not he's actually going to sit down and cooperate with him in terms of documents or testimony, we'll just wait. And speaking of Giuliani, he confirms to CNN that he has hired former Watergate prosecutor John Sale as his attorney to represent him throughout this impeachment. Sale was an assistant special prosecutor in the Watergate investigation. He's now a white-collar lawyer. Obviously, Giuliani getting ready for a long fight. Well, yeah, and look, I don't think anyone who is an attorney would advise another attorney to try to represent themselves in something (laughs) like this. Like, that is an even bigger disaster in the making than what we've already seen in terms of the rolling Rudy Giuliani disasters. I think this does send the signal that he knows this is a serious issue. If he decides he wants to snub this committee, he at least wants to consult with another attorney about the best way to do it. And maybe there is some way to hand over some documents and refuse to testify. We will see. I am with Mia on this, and I think we're going to get 15 different versions of this before we know what Giuliani does. All right, everyone stick around. Coming up, the Republican reaction so far. Silence, deflection, distraction. How far can they do that? We'll talk to a former Republican congressman next on this special edition of The Lead, The White House in Crisis. Stay with us. In our politics lead today, the president's allies defending him, as most Republican lawmakers seem to be staying quiet about the growing White House crisis. Joining me now to talk about this is former Republican Congressman Charlie Dent from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us. Do you think it is an abuse of power for any president of the United States to ask a foreign country to investigate a domestic political rival? Uh, absolutely, I do, Jake. In fact, you know, I served as chairman of the House, House Ethics Committee. Had I ever received a transcript like the one I saw of the president uh, with the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, um, that would have probably immediately triggered an ethics investigation and probably a referral to the DOJ. You cannot use uh, the, your official offices for a naked political purpose. And that's what that, that transcript uh, struck me as, a an attempt to use your office to uh, get opposition research or dig dirt on your primary uh, or your principal political rival. So I appreciate your moral clarity, but I have to say your former colleagues uh, up on Capitol Hill, Republican colleagues, are being very, very quiet about this, something that I would think would be a fairly easy thing to say 
this is not okay. Have you talked to any of them? Yeah, I have. And most of them do know that uh, uh, they they cannot defend it indefensible. You look at these, you look at both the uh, phone transcript and the whistleblower uh, report or complaint, uh, and you know, it, it's in plain English. I mean, you cannot defend the substance of what's in those two uh, documents. And so I think the, those who are trying to defend the president, you hear them, they're, they're, I think they're getting themselves in all sorts of trouble. They're talking process. Oh, it's a secondary source, even though the secondary source is uh, quite credible and, uh, and, and is verified by what the primary sources say. But that's what they're doing. So there's, there's really no way to defend this. Some of these members, I, when this first broke, those members, in my view, were concerned but not yet alarmed. I did speak to a Republican senator, you know, who fully understands the impossible situation that they are put in. Uh, that if they get too close to the president, uh, that they will they will uh, alienate uh, swing and moderate uh, independent voters. And if they get too far away from the president, uh, they will have base erosion. And for some of these members, they need to hold together their base and be able to bring in swing voters. So the president places them in an impossible position. Right, an, an impossible position politically for them to get reelected. But it's really not right. that impossible if you're actually just thinking about what's the right thing to do. I mean, this really is a no-brainer, right. as you say. The president is in the transcript asking a foreign leader to investigate a political rival. End of story. Correct, full stop. And that's not even getting into the quid pro quo, Jake. I mean, if... If we look at the the other aspect of this too, you know, withholding foreign assistance until there until the Ukrainians initiate a, an investigation, the Bidens. I mean, that's another issue, uh, fully separate from the use of official resources. But like, hey, when I was in, Jake, I, I didn't I didn't worry about. It. I said sometimes you just have to do the right thing, do, do the right thing, uh, and the politics will sort itself out. And I think sometimes as elected officials, you know, we would tend to overthink the politics of everything, and sometimes just just easier to. Uh, State what you believe in and then try to defend it. People, people respect that. You, you note that there are all sorts of ways that people are trying to, Republicans are trying to spin this, defend this. Just last Friday on the show, a former RNC chief of staff and CNN political commentator, Mike Shields, uh, was talking about Rudy Giuliani and his role with the Ukrainians. And then he tried to pivot to Hillary Clinton aide Sidney Blumenthal. Shields, we should note, falsely claimed that Blumenthal was involved with the Steele dossier. He went as far as to suggest that that Blumenthal was an outside spy for Hillary Clinton, false, also completely irrelevant to the Ukraine call. Is this just the, the game plan now? Just throw out names, throw out mud, see what sticks against the wall? Yeah, they're simply trying to distract. Uh, you know, to, to my Republican friends, I say this. You know, during, over the last several months, we heard the president ad nauseum talk about no collusion, no collusion with respect to Russia and the Mueller investigation. Now we have this document in front of us where the president of the United States is is trying to collaborate with the president of Ukraine to basically do research on his opponent. That is, that is collusion. I mean, I just, it's, just, it's just stunning to me and striking that the president would be so reckless and self-destructive. Uh, so that's what I would tell my Republican colleagues. There's no way to sugarcoat this thing. It just, the optics are just terrible, and don't try to defend the in, in, uh, indefensible or explain the inexplicable. Former Republican Pennsylvania Congressman Charlie Dent, thank you so much. Good to see you again. Hey, Jake, great to be with you. Thanks. While President Trump faces allegations of using his influence to dig up dirt on his opponent, his first official endorser in Congress just pleaded guilty to his own set of corruption charges. Who is it? Stay with us. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high quality sleep every night. 
Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.